This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. There, come on, you papers, get together. I bent them all, Matt. Look you, what I've done. You have so many iPads, too. I'm waiting for the day when you just pick them up and you just do the same thing. Well, you know, that, that paper shuffling thing, but with the multiple iPads. Oh, whoops. No, I've only got one bit of glass today. Yeah. Yes, no, you've reduced It's good. Hello, uh, Cameron. Uh, hello, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. What Gosh, you... it's good to see you. It's good to see you in a kick-ass day out there as well. Total kick-ass. Not that I'm obsessed with the weather, but after last week's debut of spring on Sunday, <laughs> yes. it's just got a bit chilly for the whole week, and now it's good again. It's back. It's back. It's back at sunshine. It's really good. And we hope there is sunshine in your soul out there as we go out <laughs> wherever you are. Yes. Where are you? What are you doing? Where are you? What are you doing on this uh, Eva Sunday, this present time, this yes. now, 12.03, 17 seconds, 18 seconds, or maybe you're in some other time thing somewhere else. You could be listening on the web, you could be listening on the podcast, you could be listening on demand. Yeah. You could be all over the joint. Yes. All over the shop. That was the name of the show, wasn't it? Was it was a good, it was an excellent show. Yes, it was. Anyway, um, here we are, the food thing. It's on, it's the afternoon. You're an evolved creature. You're listening to 3 Triple R. You've been doing some good things already. We should say big ups to the scientists for Why not? Uh, another hour Why not? of excellent radio. Yes. And, of course, the doctors and the Radio Marinara people. And Tim Thorpe's still floating around. He is. He's picking up his play lunch from his, like, his little... Tim's got, like, this little alcove. Yes, he leaves yeah. his little deposits of records yes. and CDs everywhere, doesn't he? Timmy's still here. Yeah. We know that. Well, on today's show, we've got um, we've got a couple of things, mm. which should be a bit of fun. Uh, Richard Seymour from Mount Zero Olives, a very, very lovely, lovely family-owned Australian agricultural business. Yes. Started off by uh, taking over a uh, olive grove that had just been left... To just just go. Where is Mount Zero? Uh, it's around Mount uh, the Grampians. <laughs> I didn't expect that to be. Sorry, I didn't want to stump you. Ah, yeah. No, uh, the, um, the, uh, Richard will have to tell us the actual, yeah. address, the actual address. It is. Yes. It's in the Grampians. We'll get the GPS coordinates. Um, but uh, yeah, an olive grove that was planted in the forties. Yes. Subsequently abandoned. Mm. And now it's back. It's well, it's been back for a while. Well, yeah, honest. it's been back for a while. And it's more than just olives, as we um, mm-hmm. I'm going to be finding out and. Uh, Richard has a very, very good idea because mm. he's sort of parents' uh, business. He's the uh, the son that sort of uh, said, all right, you make the stuff, I'll move it from this warehouse in West Melbourne. We'll yes. hear more about this story. Yes. But basically uh, they've uh, they've broadened their range mm. over the years and there's some great products and Richard's going to convince us that olive leaf tea is a thing. Right, olive leaf tea. Olive leaf tea. You know how you have olive leaf extract? Ah, yes. It's been around for a while now. It's, uh, what's good about it? I don't know. I haven't used it. Anti-inflammatory. Right. Good for colds, apparently. Has medicinal properties. But now you think you can get the same leaf and make it into tea. Well, you don't think this, but that's Richard's decision. Well, rather than uh, making a decoction or something like that this is we're going to get the benefit from it from an infusion yes no actually i, I totally get that could work i know we're yeah, going to find I'm, out i'm looking forward to trying and then riding in i don't know he's actually i think he's with his son footy he was going to come in a little bit earlier but he just realized that scotty pickett scott pickett of the estelle yes um is uh, coming in and i can't wait to see him because we haven't seen him for a while good friend of the show geez yeah. the estelle's doing well yes. very highly regarded restaurant 
North side. North side. Is it two hat? I think it's two hat. I think it is. I think it is. Mm-hmm. And also, he's got some interesting uh, news right. uh, regarding about coming closer will uh, a place in the CBD. Oh, that might surprise you. But we'll, we'll, I'm not going to steal his thunder. Yeah, right. Why would I do that? That'd be very rude. It would be very, very rude. Should Can't... we steal the thunder of the show that's uh, following us? Should we do that now? Oh, yeah. Okay. Regular right. listeners will be aware this year on Triple R at 1pm, there's been Sunday Lunch, which has actually been a really cool little rotation of different shows in that slot, usually about four weeks per show. And the most recent being uh, Bound for Glory, which was about sport. Yes. Um, and a fabulous one before that regarding um, uh, independent record labels, which I just adore. Yes, I like that one too. I was actually going to big up some Bound for Glory last week for their excellent segment on blind cricket. That was really interesting. Yes. It was good. Yeah, it really, really was. But... But filling in this month, Cameron... What? We get to say again... G'day. Coming up again at 1pm. G'day. Is the Dirty Deeds team. G'day, Dirty Deeds. Talking all things gardening. Very excited about that. They're back for a few weeks. And as far as I know, it's uh, it's going to be Digger. It's going to be Laurel. It's going to be Olive. They're all going to be there. So if you've got spots on your lemon tree... Yes. If you've got fungus on your roses... You can get a cream for that. Yes. Yeah. Can, um, but ring them out. <laughs> Jeez, they got a good gig because they've got, what, two weeks of Radiothon where they just don't have to come up with any gardening content. I know. That's a good gig. That's coming up too in two weeks' time. You'll be hearing a lot more about Radiothon. So that's it here on 3 RFM. Now, um, I wanted to talk before we got into our guests uh, the fact that I did something I've never done before. Mm-hmm. One was I, I was talking a couple of weeks ago about how I've just sort of mastered the art of icing, <laughs> making icing. Oh, really? Which, as soon as it sort of tumbled out of my mouth, I was looking at those words going, yeah, well, it's not actually that hard. No. I know. And there would have been a lot of people who don't judge me, people. Is this the thing, like, if you get good at icing, are you like the man who's bought the hammer and suddenly everything looks like a nail? So you, you roast a spud <laughs> and then it's like, oh, I know what could finish this right Passion now. fruit icing. <laughs> Pink no, icing. No, I, I'm happy to say no. But yeah. it was just one of those things. I don't bake. I've never really been a baker that much. Right. Yeah, I've always been, if I'm honest. If I'm looking at the spectrum, I'm more on the savoury side of the, Same. the spectrum sort of thing. Mm. Uh, but I have been making some banana breads lately, and I thought, when I had some passion fruits hanging around, and one day... Taking up space. I just thought, ah, I should make some icing on this sort of stuff. But... How do you make icing, Cam? Just in 30 seconds? (laughs) Pretty much just icing sugar in a little bit of warm water, or or a fat, or, you know, you can... Yogurt and icing, apparently, is quite nice. There you go. But But anyway, anyway, that's not my mastermind subject, okay? I, I, I cheerfully admit that. But I made a pie mm-hmm. um, last week, chicken and leek pie. And uh, because I was up in Bendigo and I'd been doing demos with this really fabulous old school butcher. Yes. Bob the Butcher. Bob the Butcher. Bob Dewar, actually. Lovely, lovely bloke. And he whipped up these meat pies. He just whipped all... them up? Well, he did. He yes. did. He, like, as, as only like a 70-year-old butcher guy who's been, <laughs> you know, just does stuff in his sleep type can do. Yeah. But the thing was that he made a hot water pastry. A hot water pastry. Mm-hmm. Do tell. Excuse me. Mm. So yeah. I, I usually cheat, if I'm honest. So most of our pies are made midweek. And only do a rough puff rather than um, the full bookmaker even, puff pastry. Even worse. He's pointing at me like this. Uh, he's, he's, he's got his finger out and he's pointing right at my face. Even worse. When I what? call for pastry, I might just, just pop over to the freezer and just get Mr. P. Yeah. <laughs> If Where's Mr. P? Yeah, because, you know... After, or Mr. Philo. After a hard day's work, getting out the flour and the butter and rolling it all out isn't necessarily what you look forward to. But if you feel like making a pastry, mm. 
I've not heard of a hot water pastry. Right, but, but one thing I would actually say to you is that a great way to still the mind and to get zen and mm. to forget about the day, mm. that's one of the great joys of cooking. I'm, I'm being very sincere about that. Yes. One of the things that takes you away from problems, money issues, whatever, you know, promotion, you know. State of the world, politics, let's not go there. Don't even go there. I know. Don't even go there, sister. But this is one of the great (laughs) things about making of food, and I would actually say to you that making pastry can be a really, really good thing. Why is it about a hot water pastry? Hot water pastry is almost bulletproof. Mm -hmm. So it was originally used, um, or it has been used in charcuterie to make pies. Yes. And also, you're like, you know, you're, English pork pies? Yes. That's hot water pastry. So you wouldn't go sweet with it. It's got to, you'd, you'd go savoury. <laughs> this is a savoury. I'm sure there's. I'm sure someone's done it. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the thing that's really cool about mm. it is it's quite easy to make. It's super pliable. Like, it's easy mm. to... And it's quite elastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made the most beautiful chicken and leek pie you would imagine. And... I should also mention the fact that one of the really, really great pies doesn't have to have meat in it at all. Mm. Um, a leek pie, if you make a bechamel. Yes. White sauce. Yes. Bit of bay. Yes. <sighs> what do you do to balance that? Do you put any... Also, onion, onion clouté is kind of nice. Um, what is an onion clouté? Yes, it's, that was it's, kind of the question. Yeah, the yeah, okay. It's sort of classically French, as it sort of sounds. You cut an mm. onion in half... Yep. yep. Lengthways. Yep. Use the root end yep. so that it's it keeps together. Then get a bay leaf or two, mm-hmm. and then you sort of pin in the bay leaves using about four cloves. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you get this holy trinity of yes. flavour going through your bechamel. So you've got onion. Yes. You've got bay, and you've got a little bit of clove, cloves. Yeah. And it really, really rocks. And I'd say that and leeks just go magnificently together. Yeah. And you know what? Mm. It's also a time to make Duncan Buchanan very, very happy because this is one of the few things that works with a Riesling. Oh, really? Or a Riesling. A Riesling. Riesling. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that, though. Hello, Duncan, if you're listening. I didn't do it. It was Matt. He made <laughs> me do it. So, But you had some thoughts about leek pie. Look, I have I have a cheats version of a leek, uh, chicken and leek pie, which I cook quite often. Cheats leek. It is. And the reason it's cheats, actually... The leek of cheat. Believe it or not, it's actually a Jamie Oliver recipe. But it's, it's excellent midweek. Why do you say you believe it or not? Oh, it's just... He's valid. He is valid. Yeah, okay. Except for when he's partnering with Maltina. Anyway. Anyway, um, don't, don't, don't go there. No, the this is like, why you need to make pastry. Then you don't worry about well, these the, things. The, yes. <laughs> oh, Jamie, all is in bed with a bloody multi. So the cheat way is just to grab that sheet of pastry out of the freezer. That's one sheet. The other one is if you want to make it a little healthier. Because obviously you think healthier. chicken and leek pie. Well, yeah. Okay. You I'm, think chick- okay, I'm, I'm willing to listen. <laughs> just, just for 10 seconds. Yeah, Give okay. me 10 seconds, all right? Yeah. Because um, you think chicken and leek pie, you think big French creamy flavours and those sorts of things. Yeah. You can actually substitute the cream for just a plain Greek yogurt and you get a very similar texture it's a little bit lighter in flavour yeah but it works really well sort of acidic a little bit more acid to it yes but still got yogurt still has fat in it though what's the I don't understand why you're putting yogurt in there just to get the same texture okay but you said healthy well it is it's healthier than full cream it's like you know this frozen yogurt bars all these people sort of going with this sort of the halo effect of the healthy halo effect of yogurt We've you know, just put all this sugary stuff on top. Wow. This, anyway, let's not go there. Um, so, yeah, that sounds like a good chicken leek pie. Chicken leek pie is excellent. But also, you know, the French, 
eat fatty foods, don't they, with mm. a lot of butter in it? Yes. But they counteract it. Like, what would you... Uh, for me, if I yes. was going to do, like, a, a, a leek pie or a chicken leek, I'd want, like, a really, really nice acidic green salad. Yes. Light green salad to Something go with just it. Something to sit next to it. Mm-hmm. That's why we got the Riesling. Yes. Actually, I get that now. Now you say it. Mm. The tartness of the Riesling. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the wipe across. Yes. The wipe across. Um, mm. Yeah, no, I think it's it'd be kind of good. Um, see, we need to make more pies. I think pies bring people together. Yes. <laughs> you know? And also, I, I really would um, suggest look up um, hot water pastry. Yes. And have a go. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Are you dying over the evil thing? You're no, right. just no, I, got no, a little, no. I got a little frog in my throat. No. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, the show twelve fifteen here on three triple RFM. Thank you for joining us. Mm. Uh, what have we got on today? Oh, do you know today's Andy Warhol's birthday? Happy birthday, Andy! Nineteen twenty-eight. God, that was a year after my dad was born. Gee, he was old. Yeah. <laughs> American painter of the pop art movement in the 60s. He made paintings of Campbell's soup cans, Coca-Cola cans, and Tide detergent. There was detergenty things too, wasn't mm. there? A series of those that, as well? That Campbell's soup painting must rank as one of the most famous paintings of the 20th century, when you think about it, which I just did. I do, yeah. Yes. That's, yeah. Yes. Any, any, anybody wants to send in more famous paintings, they can send it on our Twitter <laughs> yes. feed. What is our Twitter our feed, Twitter by feed the way? is Eat It. <coughs> is it? It is. Hang on. It's at Eat It. R, R, R. Yeah, we just told Richard that. We did that. Oh, you can send it, you know, you can send us a postcard if you want. 221. That could be kind of good. Street. And uh, just to say that, you know, we as a nation, mm. stuff happens and let's face it, we allow a lot of stuff to happen. You know, we're... We sort of don't kick up a fuss like some people do. No. Not like the French. No. In 2013, protesting low egg prices, French farmers began smashing thousands of eggs on the streets and squares of France Maine's poultry-producing region of Brittany over production and expensive renovations to meet new European regulations on hen houses have resulted in farmers receiving lower prices for eggs. They don't take stuff lying down, do they, the French? The French, no. They arc up. They do. Seriously. They very, like, they very I, much I do. still think one of my favourite stories from, you know, food snippety sort of things we've done over the years was there was a GST increase in France. Yes. And uh, uh, say, I think it was fast food was taxed at 7%. Uh, and... Um, they taxed the restaurants at a higher rate and not taking this lying down, the French restaurateurs <laughs> went nuts and rioted in the streets and had pitched battles with the police, um, you know, manned the picket lines, Overturned had eggs. Cars, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, my All God. the good you stuff. Just, you just don't, don't mess with don't them. Don't mess with the French. Yeah, you really, really don't. Hey, my God, they've got Dirty Deeds team just I know, it's, it's like a, it's, this is nice. It's, it's like, like a, a dream. Time. It's excellent. It's like a dream. Um, all right, so anyway, that's uh, news snippets for today. We haven't got any saints. That's what happens. Things to do today. <laughs> yeah, we've got a, something to do today. Uh, mm. What's today a good day to do? Um, I don't know, get outside and enjoy that sunshine would be um, a good thing. Just dip behind the cloud here in East Brunswick, as, of, as, you, as you say that. Yes. But get out there and enjoy it. But uh, perhaps maybe you might want to uh, cook paella like a boss. Because, ladies and gentlemen, at uh, the Bohemian Bar and Restaurant at 35 Dukes... Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Nice bed. Hey, I like this. Uh, 35 Dukes Walk, South Wharf. 
Can you cook paella? Have you ever cooked a paella? Mm, uh, my dearly beloved Nicole does a good paella. Yeah, yeah. We've, so got, like, we've got the little pan. The pans are quite cheap. Yeah. And uh, they and help get the, get the sticky bit on the bottom, which is kind of what you want. And it's the rice. You want to get bomba rice. Bomba rice. And yes. it's like making risotto, but you don't stir it. But anyway, on the Saturday day, 13th of August, head chef Lorenzo Casu. And not to mention Spanish paella master Gerard Rodriguez. I love that. It's just, it's just, it's just, Spanish names are so profound. Aren't yes. They? Hello, my name is Gerard Rodriguez. I'm here to teach you how to cook paella. You will learn the art of paella, the feeling of paella, the sherry that goes with the paella. Yes. I am Gerard Rodriguez. I'm here to help you learn. No, stop it. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, you can, um, you can do this. I just thought I'd do that because I like the idea of cooking paella and maybe it's a good idea to go to South Wharf, you know? Hey, uh, 10.30 till 12 p.m., 65 bucks. This is next weekend, yeah, so next Saturday, or this Saturday, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. It's on Saturday. The Bohemian Bar and Restaurant. There you go. That's the thing. Google it if you want to learn how to make a paella. Yeah. Or a paella. In your paella pan. Now that we've found the... I'm Gerard Rodriguez. Spanish Sorry, music. <laughs> should we just... Yes, this is... Chill on this for a bit. This is Mark Rebo, who was uh, played guitar on Down By Law with Tom Waits. And he did this by himself. And he sounds kind of good on this paella Saturday. 12.24 here on 3 Triple RFM. An exciting day here because uh, after the show, we're looking forward to hearing... The Dirty Deeds crew yes. who just come in. It's like it's like roll back the hands of time. It is, isn't it? It's good. It's, it's good to see them again. It is indeed. So yeah, you're listening to Eat. It is twelve twenty four. We've just been going on about pastries and pies and yes. things like that. But we're very very lucky to have it in the studio with us. I think for the first time. Is this the Richard Seymour from Mount Zero? G'day. Thanks for having me. It is. It's Absolute, a pleasure. Uh, Virgin moment for me at the Triple R. <laughs> wow, with that beautiful virgin olive oil that goes with it, seems to be a, a match made in heaven. Um, for those that haven't seen the product, um, I question where have you been? Uh, but secondly, it's kind of an interesting story in the fact that your parents decided to uh, revitalise a uh, an olive grove that had sort of fallen into disrepair, you could say. Yeah, look, it's a fantastic Victorian, I guess, horticultural story in the sense that it was planted in the uh, late 40s, early 50s. Who did it? Um, Israeli migrants. Uh, Israeli? Yeah, raised a lot of Jewish money from around Melbourne, invested quite heavily in what was probably a 2,000-acre olive grove at the really? time. Really? They were so visionary and so ahead of their time. Also. Sadly, Cause, olive cause oil we was were, yeah, sorry, sold in the chemist at the time. Was, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this <laughs> um, is going to go know, really well. We didn't have our Scotty Pickets and, uh, and others mm. really celebrating great products. So, um, sadly, it really didn't, you know, get the audience that it deserved. Wow. Um, but, you so know, for, 40 years great, later, great we've idea. got that heritage. And what sort of olives are there? Manzanilla and... So, on our place, uh, it's mainly Manzanilla, so Spanish variety. And we've yeah. got Gordal on the lower block. And what are Gordal again? Gordal, um, Sevillano, it's a Spanish variety. So Gordal, Sevillano, same. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're your classic martini olive. They're, they're fantastic. Oh, they sound like yeah. good olive. So pick green. The manzanilla are either uh, fantastic for oil, but also uh, great as a table fruit. Mm. Um, that means a uh, small apple in Spanish. So it's uh, that very, very few olives are perfectly round. And the manzanilla and the abacina, another Spanish olive, is a lovely, round, beautiful olive. What were your parents' names? Jane and Neil Seymour. Jane and Neil, and one day Jane and Neil went a little bit crazy, and they went, "You know what? What happened? What? What? What 
caused them to buy this 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 acreage oh, with you know, trees. Another Melbourne story. I think you know, back in the uh, '90s when Melbourne was in absolute recession, my father took I a package uh, from the public service. <laughs> yes, uh, and you know, did a, a real tree, tree change. And look, they spent the first ten years of that. Yeah, lots of them trying to work out how you know what the hell they've done, um, and you know, really scratching out a bit of a bit of a living. And essentially, you know, my mother came on board the innovator and just sort of saying, well, what are my we got here? the innovator, yeah, I like oh, that. Yeah, amazing. Yes. Um, so, you know, hence we have uh, lentils and grains that, are, that our neighbours are growing. We're doing salt that we're hand harvesting in collaboration with the local Indigenous community just to try and make it actually a more sus- economically sustainable model for our little 200-acre farm of olive trees. And what's been your role and how has that evolved throughout the life of this company? So I jumped on about 10 years ago and, look, Essentially, we were, you know, producing great product, but no one knew about it. Yes. And so it was a chance to, if we were going to get in front of uh, the market and, and really celebrate it, we needed someone on the road in Melbourne rather than just give a, a distributor, you know, the, a couple of bottles and, uh, and say, go out and do it. Yeah, so good, I, good luck. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we had some um, some real great support at the time. And we what had, was, just a second, Richard, before you go into this, what were you doing before you got um, <laughs> subsumed into the, the family business? So had, I, you, had you been going off going, I'm going to do this, and then... I had n- uh, no dream that I would be in the food game. Yeah. I absolutely fell in love with it as soon as I started in it. I, I was studying an applied science, and I, you know, uh, who knows where I would have ended up, you know, resource management somewhere there. Yes. Um but I had a real passion for food. I worked in hospitality uh, through uni. And then towards the tail end of uni, I helped out with, uh, with finding a market for, for our oil and our olives. Um, and that's when I really found a passion for uh, so, primary ingredients. Tell me, okay, let, let's, let, let's just go back a little bit. Cause, uh, so what year was this? Uh, they bought the place in 93, 93. and I was um, probably in year 11 at school. And how much olive oil, Australian olive oil, was around in those days? Oh, look, there was a handful of brands. There was ourselves, our neighbours, Toscana, yes. um, and Joe Grilly over in uh, South Joe Australia had a, um, was doing some beautiful olive oil as well, and a few wineries, um, you know, around uh, South Australia. Because the the very very first bottle of olive Australian olive oil bottle I remember was a half bottle of Coriol olive oil, and that was exactly. from where's that McLaren Vale. Yep. And this half bottle, which was I don't know three eighty mil or so, some weird sort of thing. It was about 20 bucks. It was yeah. just, you know, redonkulous sort of price. And, my God, hasn't it come a long way since then? Absolutely. And, look, I mean, it's a premium product. You only get about 18 to 20% of oil per kilo of uh, – or per, uh, per olive. Per weight. Yeah. Per weight. So when you 80%. think about it, with wine, you can pay up to, you know, 300 bucks for a bottle of wine. Yes. Um, and it's going to be fantastic. But you're getting 90% back per weight, you know, there. So – why not pay a little bit more for a great extra virgin olive oil and celebrate it when it's fresh and, uh, and tasting fantastic? Yeah, it's true. And um, how do you guys harvest your olives up there? Do you have the, the whacking machines or do you have whackers? No, we're, we're completely wacky and, uh, and yeah. have our own... Uh, you got your you own whackers. No, yeah, literally human. Uh, human whackers. Yeah, human whackers. So our, being yeah. a really old olive People growth, with sticks. Yeah. yeah. Um, we don't have the, uh, the ability to, to plant from the ground up and train the trees to, to deal with um, oh, yeah, with shakers right. and yes. so 
Um, as, we as say Boundary Bend, where you see the, which is you know the, maybe the biggest olive oil producer oh, in incredible. Australia. Yeah, yeah, and they and have the over the row harvesters that uh, just come and basically tickle the trees, tickle like, the fruit off, and uh, and away you go. It's like you harvest the trees with a block of flats, <laughs> pretty much block yeah. of flats on wheels that goes. <laughs> so this is you've got. Um, it's more the Simpsons. It's you get the whacking sticks out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, without very, killing very snakes. Cathartic, very cathartic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the names of these people. Rich, oh. they're the Woofies, aren't they? The Woofies. Oh, yeah, so being a, um, a biodynamic olive grove, we, uh, we're entitled to get woofers on the, the place, and woofers stands for Willing Workers on Organic Farms. And they are willing. Uh, at this stage, we should probably just uh, uh, say <laughs> Sorry, a very hail and hearty good day. <laughs> Lovely to see you, Scotty. Thanks for coming in. Hey, Cam. Thanks very much. You, uh, Matty, I couldn't resist anymore because I've been <laughs> to Mount Olive probably, I don't know, six or eight times, ten times, and I've taken the kids up there, the family up there. We've slept up there for three or four days. You've ridden We've ridden the egg bikes around. around yeah. and, uh, Look, absolutely stunning part of the world, and I didn't know what a woofer was till I went up there for the first time. So, yeah, yeah interesting, great place. Great and place. say, you're what? You're a woofer? You're for, yeah, <laughs> but interesting, lovely. And mm. look, you know, Rich's mum and dad are, you know, lovely people. We've just, you know, love them. I've been using the products for 10, 11 years, probably early days at the point, I suppose, Rich. We've done our blends a few years, you know, we still use it to this day. So, and the, uh, it's and great. the lentils too. Yeah, lentils as well too, and the salt as well too, and there's a beautiful story. And I think, you know, what Rich says about his mum is very, very true. She's, uh, you know, one of these... She's a thinker, huh? Yeah, she's a thinker, but in a very, mm. very different sense as well too, you know. She is an innovator, and she looks at the world in a different way. And from a chef to have a primary producer that does that sort of thing too, that respects the product as much as you, and when you really get to know them, you know, it just takes it to a different level for me. You have a different respect for what you use when you use that product. And dare I say it, Scotty, this is the thing that makes some of the people who are producing food in the region so so special, mm. and we cherish them. Uh, quite quite seriously, I think it, it is really really good. But you you're here, and this is good because Scotty's here, and we can have a taste of it. Um, olive oil extract is a thing. Like we've seen it a lot in uh, naturopaths and health food shops and stuff like that, because it has benefits of being anti-inflammatory. What else, Richard? Anti-inflammatory, uh, antiviral properties, and. Chock full of antioxidants. Antioxidant. Yeah. So you thought because of uh, you know the value added kind of thinking head you've got on your shoulders, that Jane, Jane. That that'd be my mother. Oh, again, there you know? mum. Right. So you were just following the memo, yeah. right? Oh, I'm yeah. Okay. Right. Olive oil, uh, leaf. That's a thing. So um, you've decided to package the um, olive leaf tea, and we're about to try some. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about it while we have a sip. Did you so we yeah, that's good. We're very much a culinary, you know, uh, producer, not a not a, a pharmaceutical producer. So we, when we heard that there was actually a, a Japanese tea manufacturer up in Wangaratta, we thought, perfect, we can uh, we can have a go at making an olive leaf tea rather than look at doing a um, you know a, a pharmaceutical, which it was definitely not so part of what it, we do. So when we think about um, Oriental style tea, that's um, uh, from the Camellia, Camellia sinensis, sinensis, um, and so there's a Japanese tea manufacturer that's around the area. Yeah, I think about 15 years. Look, I might be wrong by yeah. two or three, okay. but uh, 15 years More ago, than a decade. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When tobacco farming uh, was legislated out of existence in Victoria, paraphrasing, died in the ass. Yep, died yes. in the ass. Yes. Uh, they saw an opportunity to uh, to bring in and uh, 
camellia plants and, and really get an industry going um, mm-hmm. with great Australian, you know, fresh, green agriculture, clean, and, uh, and celebrate that. And literally, it's all shipped straight back to Japan and, uh, and consumed, you know, in a big way over there. Really? So we, we, we just thought that's the ideal partner with, for us. If we can get a, you know, a, a small load of uh, leaves to them um, at the end of every, uh, every season um, and get a, a great uh, olive leaf tea yes. in a uh, traditional Japanese gr- uh, green tea style. I want, I want to talk a little bit about that. I want Scotty to t- taste it. But just a very, very quick digression. We've gained a lot from tobacco not being grown. <laughs> no, seriously, haven't we? Do you think about... All the Italian varietals that we now sort of, you know, Fianos, Tempranillos, um, uh, Soaves, uh, the Chianti, all, all those, you know, all those things, they've come because tobacco was not yep. grown. And all the antioxidants, the irony, you know, the yes. the, the actual health benefit yeah. of, uh, of those hey, reds, I see you, um, yes. you know, and the, uh, the camellia and, and now the olive leaf tea. All right. So let's have a taste of it. Tell us, um, tell us about it. So it's a traditional green tea. It's made uh, with fresh leaves, uh, simply um, uh, steamed and rolled and dried. So uh, is it fermented? So it no. 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 So, so green tea is not fermented, whereas black tea yes. is a fermented uh, right. product. So right. green tea, that's why it's, it's every care is um, taken in the, every step of the way. It's got a really good nose. To how, maintain how you all the... How nose, Scotty? Just really herbaceous sort yeah, of... Yeah, herby... Tea-ish. It's got a yeah, very um, different that's, what I that's Scotty's nose mm. work. You hear that? Yeah. That's, Sorry, uh, that that's, just, that's just gone across Melbourne. Let's do it again. <sighs> there we go. I'm just doing more of you describing it as tea-ish. Tea-ish. It's very tea-ish. But it's a... Okay. Uh, thanks, <laughs> You're Dad. right, though. It's yeah, hard, right. hard to describe. It's, it's, so it's, it's, it's profoundly bitter. Yeah, it's got a bit of bitterness, and that okay, maybe It's got a bit of bitterness, yes. Ah. Maybe because I steeped it a little bit too long, uh, waiting to come in here. But it's, uh, I actually think it's got a really lovely, uh, lovely flavour. And the difference between if you're used to drink, drinking, uh, I guess, a Chinese uh, green tea, which is a roasted um, product, whereas yes. the Japanese style is, uh, is done by uh, um, steaming. So it's got that moistness and in, in, in character and also the flavour. Mm. Yeah. What do you reckon? Okay, a bit so of hay. I can get a little bit hay. of hay in there. Right. Hay's the one, maybe. Mm. Hay and some grassy notes. You know, obviously a couple of olive notes, too. Mm. Now, you know? I was. I think it's kind of interesting that you're here, Scotty, because you've got the insane food brain. There you go. I'm <laughs> oh, po- I, don't, I don't even know thanks, it. Ken. Insane <laughs> food brain. Um, but if we were going to try and get. And one of the great things about a great chef is that they can pick, you know, um, like to make a chord, a musical yeah, chord, yeah. three notes. Um, I'm thinking, all right, here's your, here's your master chef sort of thing that you've got to do. I'm thinking some sort of a sorbet. A sorbet or a jelly? Yeah, jelly. Now, what? Uh, so this is quite the first note that we've got here is got a lot of bitterness underneath, yep. but it's got an interesting nose. What sort of flavours would you link with that, do you reckon? Yes, I mean, I could see this. We do a transition course after the main course before we get to desserts where we're doing cheeses and different things, yeah, the yeah, teas yeah, yeah. and infusions, yes. doing our own juices, our own fermented uh, our own fermented stuff, where at the moment we're doing pear and we're keeping all the skin and then fermenting the skin and the seeds and then putting that back in a jelly. So I could see this as a really good cleansing course for us to maybe match something on the sweet, sour, savoury, Notes mm. in that transition between your big wagyu or venison, yes. yeah, before you get your first dessert. So I'd probably bring that in there, maybe olive and cheese, you know, dehydrated, dried, and then serve this on the side so that you get that lovely cleanser. Yeah, yeah I think I might get some off your rich before mm-hmm. you go. Actually, yeah, good idea. But this is where these things come from. Now, has this been done before, or is, or is this a first person? 
is your mum the first one to come up with this, or is it? Because I've never heard of it before. I, I, I'm sure there might have been a few Italian peasants that might have yeah. poured some hot water on some olive leaves in the past. So the benefits of um, I don't know of olive leaves have been known for years. Um, and the French certainly. Uh, there are a few French companies making an olive leaf tea, oh, and really? certainly yeah. the Japanese are uh, are into it as well. Yeah. And okay. And, and what are they? How are they selling it? What are what are they saying to do? First of all, let's let's go back. If you're going to do this, uh, you've got probably the most uptown kettle I've ever seen. <laughs> First of all, big kudos to that. I would imagine one of the good things about that is you can control the temperature that you pour over the boiling water. Should this be at 100 degrees or should it be less? So green tea uh, can be bitter if you oversteep it and if you pour boiling water on it. So that's, that's what our buddy Hannah Dupre says from Storm in a Teacup, who's one of the, the yeah, best yeah. suppliers. Yep. And she said one of the reasons why people think green tea sucks so much is that people pour the water is too hot and they infuse for far too long. Yep. So this is sort of the same sort I of thing. I have a top tip there. If you, oh, yeah. if you don't have one of these Rolls-Royce kettles where you can select the thing, I think if you boil just a standard kettle and then I think it's 10 to 15 minutes you wait, it'll get down to about 80 degrees. So you've got you to plan ahead, but that'll get you down to about the right temperature. Leave it for about 15 minutes. And there was another way that Hannah said, one, the way that I do it is the sound that it makes. Ah, yes. You go on the sound that yeah. it's going. And then also, as Hannah was saying, when you look into it, the size of the bubbles... As it comes yep. up off, as it yeah, starts to boil, yep. the bubbles get bigger, and she talks about little fish eyes, big fish eyes. You know, there's some sort of weird. Yeah. Anyway, but what she says is true. Or you can put a, you know, a small splash of cold water in the bottom of the cup, fill the cup with uh, the rest of the boiling water, and put, hey. your, put your hey. infuser in. It's a much better idea. Hey, you like it nice me sitting, there, sitting around. Keep, keep, keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't have to wait 20 minutes, just have some cold water back. <laughs> but <laughs> essentially, 80 degrees for a minute to a minute and a half is uh, is about perfect. Mm, great. I'm thinking Davidson's plum. Yeah, plums that go well with this too. Like like way up there and then have that astringency sort of underneath it and then maybe something with the to balance it off, some sort of a... Pear, sugar. olive and pear. Olive and pear, Yeah. You know, maybe talking? bring the olive in too somehow. Maybe tie the olive in with a, you know, with an olive gel or an olive puree, or do something yes. with the olive fruit itself, and then with the tea, and then bring that in and link that through somehow. It you would. know, maybe some dehydrated olive, mm-hmm. yeah, black or green, and do a little play on that. Or maybe uh, nashi because that's good. Yeah, nashi, nashi goes really could've... well. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, sweet, and that's sort of... It's yeah, lots of things. Maybe that. we could get some leaves and and wrap something in or do a little bit of a ceremony at the table or something as well. Ooh. So, you know, lots of little things we can think about. <laughs> a little tea smoked uh, yeah. something. Yeah. So, yeah, there it is. And uh, and for those that just think the taste of the uh, the olive leaf sucks, <laughs> you've uh, said, aha, we've got a solution. We've Don't put worry a, um, about that one. Uh, <laughs> we're also growing uh, a couple of acres of... Um, uh, Lemongrass yes. and spearmint, and it just those two flavours are just gorgeous together. You um, have a, a whole paddock full of spearmint. Well, we've got two hundred acres of olive trees yeah, set about twenty, thirty feet apart. So we've got all this space to oh. uh, to play with. Not, uh, a, not not enough water, unfortunately, but uh, we can we can put a few acres in here. How, and there. The, how are the dams at the moment, anyway? Oh, look, it's looking so beautiful compared to what it was in uh, yeah. February, March, where, you know, it's pretty depressing uh, the full? state of Victoria. The dams are filling. Oh, yeah, right, and great. hopefully by spring they'll be, uh, they'll be chock full. All right, so, yeah, so get back to it. So we've got the olive, uh, olive leaf underneath uh, with um, flavour components sort of on the top. And i got to say, I couldn't think of a better thing than walking through a whole thing of spearmint. I love the smell of spearmint. Mm. Oh, the lemongrass is my favourite. That's it's just gorgeous. You know, when yeah. you like just the, the big long blades of grass, it's 
gorgeous. Does that go pretty quick? Yeah, it does, and it, uh, it self-propagates as well, so it'll keep on... Uh, we, we need the guys from Dirty Deeds in here to uh, tell us a bit more. But, yeah. uh, um, <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Maybe so. But, uh, and um, I, I'm just... Because I would imagine the mint grows faster than the lemongrass does. No, well, the lemongrass, we can just keep breaking apart and, uh, and replanting. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah, so they're both, they're both going quite well. It's just a matter of keeping the water up to them. Mm. Well, say hi to your fam. Stick around because um, we're just going to continue having a bit of a chat with Scott. But uh, Matt had his hand up because he's got music. He yes, we just, I've been leaning on this song a little bit too heavily the last few weeks. Have you? But I dig it. Okay. Shall we have a listen? 12.43. Triple R FM. Well, that was kind of cute. It was. That's one big Two weeks to the radiothon. Sorry, I was just taking that ball and running, running with it. Did it? Yeah, he's, he's bounced the ball. He's hand passed to Cam. Cam takes the ball, <laughs> sees Pickett in the uh, the front pocket in the bleachers. Step past to Pickett. It's oh, a go- oh, he's oh, marked it. My son's uh, yeah fiftieth game this morning. I was there. Fiftieth. Fiftieth. How old is yeah, he now? Parkside. He's ten. Harry's ten out there. Wow. And so we're out in uh, yeah out past Warrandyte. I must say. Absolutely, sort of Donvale, back of Donvale, Warrandyte there. Yeah. Stunning footy ground. I tell you what, I'd love to live out there. It's beautiful. Anyway, you go to these beautiful little fringe areas in Melbourne, and it's and it's nice. Great, great footy ground. Kids drives a bone. Kids running around. Good. Wong- anyway, that's good. Wonga Park. Somewhere out there. What are they? They were Orchard Park. Yeah, no. Wong- yeah, Park w- Orchard. Wonga yeah. Park is there's some big houses yeah. out there, mate. Yeah, Richard's nodding his head, going, "Yeah, there's money out there yeah, in them there there hills." There and, are. They, and they like olives. And they do like olives. And uh, but you've got some news. Um, first of all, Estelle just goes from strength to strength. And Thanks, mate. Maddie and I. What do we do? We go. Oh, thank you, boys. Accolades, accolades. You're yeah, almost uh, six years old now, five and a half years, the original Estelle. St. Crispin's just had its third, third birthday in ESP1. So wow. it's good. It's crazy what happens when you work you know, six days a week, 100 hours a week, <laughs> and focus on what you should do rather than you know do other silly things. But anyway, it's and great. A, and, a, and a long time ago, there used to be... Uh, there, there was a great brake manufacturer. I think it was PBR, wasn't it? Yeah, but uh, there's something happening. It's going to be PDR. PDR, yeah. Pickett's Deli and Rotisserie. I was just telling Rich while the Pickett's song was going. PDR. So, uh, look, a lifelong dream of mine, I suppose. We're opening up a little deli and a rotisserie shop at the Queen Victoria Markets as part of the... I sort of see us as the first step in the new direction of the new redevelopment of everything that's going on there, trying to, you know, help the guys out there and lift the the standard a little bit. You're in the vanguard. Yeah, yeah. Back to where I suppose everything really began in a food sense for Melbourne. You know, the Queen Victoria Markets have been there. I think, you know, every single Melbourneian has some sort of love, affection or story or memory there where they go, mine is, I remember being four years of age and going to the Bratwurst shop with my old man. That's one of my first... First lifetime memories. Not, but there's not much before that. That and Windy Hill in '79, seeing Vanderhaar run around. They're the two really? things. Yep. Vanderhaar, Vanderhaar, the Flying Dutchman. They're like, <laughs> like I don't remember anything before that between yes. sausages and footy. You know, that's it. There's nice. nothing. Well, it's nice to be rooted yeah. in uh, in substantive things. Yeah. And uh, so we just took over on Monday. We're building for about six weeks, mm. and a sort of French provincial deli, uh, big rotisserie. So roast of the day, roast chicken rolls. We're doing our own produce at the moment. I've been going to the wholesale markets every Tuesday. I bought a hundred kilos of blood oranges this week. We made into jam. A hundred kilos of quinces pickling. How much is 100 kilos of blood? Uh, 
10 boxes, 10, ten big boxes. boxes. Yeah, so right. that's a whole solid day. So we broke the first two juices and had to go borrow another one. <laughs> so what, what, what are you making out of the blood oranges? Uh, marmalade. First batch marmalade. So, so 272 little jars of uh, yeah, marmalade. And the so, boys have got the production line going. We've got the big gloves, dipping them in there, sterilising them, boiling the jars. It's like... How, how are you doing the peel? That's a peel. big job. So, well, we do that. We've got an attachment for the RoboCoop, so we squeeze it and go through, then it... Then it shaves it down. So really? we bought, you know, we bought this big pot that we're calling the super pot, right? And it's thirty <laughs> liter super pot. The super and then we do the super pot of jam like four times and a day these, and all these, around. What, two people Boys. on each side stirring. Yeah, with, stirring with, and with, going. Uh, with boat oars or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty yeah. much. Big sticks and big yes. gloves and and you know when jams and chutneys get to that sort of one twenty one, you know, that's almost like a volcano. You mean it's bubbling the, away? It's the, the, the the Soft palm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've been pickling quinces. So are there screams coming the from, from where the, the pot is? A little ah! bit, a little bit, little boys. Ah! <laughs> Keep stirring. Keep stirring, must do faster. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, yeah, Cam, we started building. So I was just saying to Rich there, now, you know, what the premise for us is with Queen Victoria is to showcase as much Victorian produce as we can um, and also to showcase what all the great traders do in the deli halls at night time. So we'll be seven days a week, breakfast, lunch and dinner. So, you know, I've been working through the menu now and then there's a lot whoa, of people whoa, whoa, that whoa, I've whoa. been Did fine. you say seven days? Seven days for us. Wow. Seven days for us, breakfast, lunch and dinner. But we're corner site there. So you know where the McDonald's is on Thierry Street and Elizabeth? We're on which the opposite is, side. Which is so part of the, the Munro part of yeah, the... Yeah, the Munro uh, part. Leave the Munro part to... The property developers. No, yeah, yeah, I suppose. My focus oh, is on the market and what we're doing. Books for Cooks are there. Yeah, Books for uh, Cooks are doing a great job and a great little coffee. Is it Market Lane there as well too? Uh, market Lane are actually on the inside. Other side. No, they're inside. Oh, and also Yeah, who's the one next too. to Books for Cooks too, yeah, the little yeah. white sort of hipster joint that's cool as well. You, you, are, you are right there. But um, it's going to be interesting. So when yeah. do you think it's going to be open? We should, well, 15th of September. I've already taken a couple of functions, actually. So we need to. Yeah, six weeks. Six weeks in time for the grand final. So the good thing about the markets this year is they're actually going to open on the grand final public holiday, which they didn't last year. And I think there's going to be big uh, street procession and closure on the Thursday night and the Friday night. There's lots happening down there. And, uh, yeah, going to be pickets, pickles and dallies and, uh, you know, stuff everywhere. So I like it. It's got a good you know, ring to it. Uh, yeah, Hi, yeah. I'm Pickett, and this is my pickles. Well, we're doing all the branding and the labels for the jars now. And so the boys Who's at doing ESP, all that uh, a good friend of mine, actually, okay. yeah, with me. I've got a vision, and they're just sort of showing me how to do it. So, right, yeah, Here's yeah, my vision, and they're going to facilitate it. Yeah, you know, stickers and stuff. So we've done 2,500 jars in the last month of pickles, preserves, you know, cucumbers, everything that's in season at the moment, lemonade fruits, um, kumquats. It's just, it's crazy. It's like a, you know, CWA funhouse at Estelle at the moment. <laughs> with, <Yeah. laughs> with Scotty Pigger going, stir quicker. You must stir faster. Now, interesting, just I'm wondering, um, Philippe Michel, he yep. was one of your, was he one of your mentors? He is one of my mentors. I was, I was about 90% sure of that because yeah, I think yeah. you still refer to him. As if, chef, yeah. Yeah, this okay. is Scotty Pigger, one of the great restaurateurs of our time, town, time. But when he sees Philippe Michel, he turns into almost, it's like the 17-year apprentice again. Yeah, but I'll be uncommon again when I see Philippe. Yes. I still feel like I'm 19 when I first worked for him. Of course you do. Can I, can I just say, we yeah. had him on the show, Yeah, and he's the, uh, the same with 
Mr. Bukus. Well, yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't yeah. say he doesn't say Paul because he, he talks about Paul Bukus. Yeah. But I'm wondering, have you had a chance to check out his new restaurant? I have. I've been there for lunch a couple of times. I've tried the roast chicken. It's fantastic. I've got my work cut out for me to try and uh, you know top the chef on that one. But uh, what makes him so special? Uh, he's probably been roasting chickens a little bit longer than me. A couple more. <laughs> That's it. You know, well, a couple more footy seasons, Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> huh? huh? Really, my love of the rotisserie stems from when I worked at Langton's with Philippe and when I was there 20 and yeah. I worked on the rotisserie section and that was the first time that I've used one. So I've loved it for 20 years and I've always wanted a place that's really casual and cool where you could just go and sit there and have oyster charcuterie or roast of the day or a sandwich or some pickles or some wagyu tongue or you know, whatever you want. Just nice, fun, sort of produce-driven stuff, which all chefs say, you know, but this is really going to be about that. Yeah. Now, what, so what is the secret to – are there secrets to rotisserie? Do you start fast? Uh, I think Do it's you start all, slow? Uh, you start with the chicken. I think it's all the process. The rotisserie is, is actually the, chicken supposed the to be end. Room, the room temperature? Room temperature. Well, the quality of the chicken itself first. Right. Uh, we're probably going to go with Millowa chickens because oh, I've known nice. Russell for a long time. Yeah. But then it's all about really how you butcher and prepare the chicken too. So whether you brine it or don't brine it. Are you going to brine? We're going to brine it. You're going to brine? I brine the chickens. Now yeah. we clean it, we brine it, uh, we take it out, we rinse it, we'll slide some stuffing up. Uh, some butter under the skin, some stuffing inside, then we'll truss it, then we'll dry it, uncover it in the cool room for a couple of days. So, you know, then when you put it on the... Crispy, crispy. On the big skewers, then you get that wonderful crisp, crispy, you know, chicken. So it's the stages. It's a three or four-day stage uh, process as as opposed to ordering a chicken, you know, putting it on a skewer and putting it on on the rotisserie. It's a little bit more than that. But that's what makes a great roast chicken is the process before so that it looks like... Wow, what have you done to this chicken that's just turning up there? You know, the seasoning, secret seasoning rubs, yes. spice rubs that be available in little Pickett's Deli, little, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, Pickett's Deli yeah. paraphernalia up there next to Richie's uh, salt and olives for sale too, you know, oh, lots okay. of things there. Pete's Polish sausage. Re- yeah. yeah, too. Do you know Pete from the deli? Sure Paul? do. Yeah, Pete's yeah. great, does all sort of Polish smoke goods. So, you know, a bit of tongue-in-cheek, you know, you'll be able to get... You, uh, Is that going to be Pete's a dish? Polish sausage for twelve bucks? Yeah, <laughs> tongue in cheek. Yeah, yeah, tongue in cheek. Um, but roasting a chicken. Yep. You've just uh, nailed one of the really, really important things, and that's the state of. Um, how how dry the skin is? Yeah, yeah. Because that is how you get really, really crispy, really yummy crispy skin. Yeah. Can you maybe just talk to that for thirty seconds? Look, I normally like to sort of dry it out or keep it uncovered overnight. Yes. Um, once it's trussed, and then it just firms up a little bit too. You know, give it a pat dry if you want to. Just leave yeah. it uncovered in the fridge, and then just before I cook it, then I massage some extra virgin Mount zero olive oil into it. Some uh, you know, pink sea salt. You know, some herbs and some spices start off nice and high, you know, 180, 190, 200. Yes. And then when you get a little bit of caramelization or some color in the skin, then drop it down. Drop it down then. Drop it down then, 120, 130, so that the legs are hopefully cooked at the same time as the breast. Sounds like a good thing. Now, Mm. it is, uh, we are coming out of winter. I notice magnolia has started. There's a bit of cherry blossom that started. There's a few, even the fruit trees have started to go into blossom, which gives us a wee bit of hope, uh, which is nice. But, Scott, what are the things that you love of this time of year? What are the flavours and stuff of this time of year? Now, look, we're in that transition period, as you said. I mean, it's the end of the quinces, which is beautiful too. There's lots yeah. of perfumes coming around. What else have I been seeing at the markets? Lots of citrus, uh, kumquats, lemonade fruits we've been doing. That's sort yes. of half orange, half lemon. Not a Myers uh, lemon. Is that a, no, no, no it's a lemonade fruit, even different. Again, you can gotcha. actually eat this 
Yeah, but so if my little one, my four-year-old Oscar, eats them like apples. Yeah. Loves them. Skin and all. Beautiful. Yes. Uh, so we're doing a dish with that too. And then obviously, you know, springs around the corner. You can already feel a little bit of the, the warmth. Of the warmth, you know, um, sort of warming up the bones. So then obviously we get into spring lamb. Broad bean flowers just started this week. Oh, yes. Broad bean flowers. I like the flowers yeah. before you get the little, uh, you know, the beans themselves too. They started this week for the first time. So that's yes. great to see. Uh, beetroots are in at the moment too. Golden beetroots, red beetroots, candied mm. stripes, big, small, white beetroots. So we're pickling lots of those, making beetroot chutneys and things. So yeah, spring oh, around the corner. And also Brussels sprouts are still sprouts. They're, they're cold. So and cabbage is still yeah, cabbage is two or three weeks probably feeling for those, the frost. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Richard, if we um, what's the name of your website? If we want to look up your fabulous product range, MountZeroOlives.com. That's kind of easy. <laughs> And where, where are you again? What's the place? Cause it so Mount Zero is uh, the northernmost mountain in the Grampians range. Really? So, you know, if you're into your hiking, walking, rock climbing, it is absolutely gorgeous. But there's also, you know, some of the best wineries, some of the best producers around. Best wine just uh, picked up a uh, Halliday Award for best... Uh, Best wine in the show. Best, uh, best. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, so there's all kinds of great produce. Uh, in but the what's Grand the actual address? Though? What's the actual place? Tala- Laharam. Laharam. Is, uh, where we are? Yeah, yeah. Lah- oh, so that was obviously named by the the Israelis or the. Oh no, no? <laughs> Laharam. It no, sounds um, like it's. Like, <laughs> it, 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 it sounds have appropriate. a drink and you go Laharam. Laharam. This <laughs> olive, this olive <laughs> leaf tea is great. Women up there in the mountain. Laharam. 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 Yes. Um, I think it predates the uh, Israelism, oh, okay. right. but, uh, but I like it. Wrong. Yeah. Just Pam's <laughs> taking the ball and run with it, and it's all wrong. <laughs> Matt's doing the uh, the incredible wind-up system. Yes, folks, you're in for a treat, because yes. the Sunday lunch is actually the Dirty Deeds team. They are back, ladies and gentlemen. So Fist pumping, even. It's good. Fist pumping! I'm going to fist pump from the back. Scotty Pickett, look forward to uh, seeing uh, Thanks, P- Cam. PDR. Yeah. Uh, down there at uh, at the market and uh, Richard thanks for coming in pleasure Cam thank and, you very much and good luck and we're looking forward to seeing that transitional sorbet from you from Estelle mm. using the olive leaf we're out of oh and uh, yeah, we should also mention next week coming on the show we've got Richard Cornish yes Who's gonna... uh, talking about his book his year without meat should be a really good uh, death trap and Pierre Roloff's coming in too which will oh, be cool. a lot of fun anyway dirty deeds come, come next. next see you later thanks guys Thank you. This has been a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.